Hello. Um, we greet you with Jesus' joy as we prepare to engage in our study of uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10 today. I thank you for joining us as far as um, uh, Thursday teaching is concerned. And as we prepare to uh, move through uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 10, we thank God for what God is doing with us, in us, through us, and oftentimes as God does in spite of us. So as we move forward as far as this time of study is concerned, um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through uh, verse um, 23 really captures some key verses that I want to share with you and unpack with you as far as our time together is concerned. But before we do that, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we sense what the Lord will want for us to uh, glean and apply as far as our time together is concerned. God, we come and we thank you for the sufficiency of your grace, for the power of your spirit, for the presence of your personhood in our lives. And as we come and we prepare to study your word, oh God, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will illuminate our thoughts, empower us to act, uh, let us show the essence of who you are in our lives so that other people can be blessed and know you even better. So God, if you, the master teacher, will come and show up, teach us your precepts, and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, we will bless your name. Uh, and it is in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, my brothers and sisters, as we prepare to engage in this time of study, uh, we got a lot of territory to cover, and so... Um, as we prepare to cover this territory, um, if you would open up your Bibles or go to your uh, digital Bible and find Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10. And I want to really do all that I can to unpack this in a very meaningful way as far as our time together is concerned. So Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10, these words are printed in the New King James Version of Scripture. It reads like this. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now that at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. I want you to highlight the word rejoice. I want you to highlight the word flourish again. And I want you to underline the uh, word, uh, the phrase, though surely you did care, but you lack opportunity. And then I want you to circle the two words. Your, I want you to circle the word care, uh, where it says, at last you'll care for me, circle the word care. And then where it says, though you surely did care, circle the word care. Draw a line between those two words. Draw a line between those two words. You see the connectivity between those two words, care and care. They're the same word. Uh, in the Greek. And so this is uh, very important because I want you to uh, have an appreciation for what Paul is doing as far as uh, this time is concerned. Let's continue uh, moving through this particular text where it says, not that I speak in regard of need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Highlight that whole verse. 
highlight that whole verse. Okay? All right. Let's go to verse 12. Verse 12. I know how to be a base, underline a base. I know how to be a bound, underline a bound. Circle the words no in those phrases. And draw a line between the word no in those phrases. Everything, everywhere and in all things, I have learned, underline the phrase, I have learned, both to be full, underline full, and to be hungry, underline hungry, to both abound, underline abound, and to suffer need, underline suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Highlight that phrase. Highlight that phrase. All right. Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well. You have shared in my distress. Underline the word distress. Verse 15, now you Philippians know. Also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you did send aid once and again for my necessities. Verse 17, but I now seek, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruits that are bound to your account. Highlight that verse, verse 17. Highlight that verse, verse 17. All right, verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. I want you to underline the phrase, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. I want you to underline the words, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Highlight that phrase. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21. Greet every saint. Circle the word saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Circle the word brethren. Verse 22, all the saints greet you. Circle the word saint. Uh, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. I want you to underline the phrase, those who are of Caesar's household. Verse 23, the grace. Circle the word grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. All right. We got a lot of unpacking to do. We got a lot of unpacking to do because this is really um, Paul talking about the generosity of the Philippians. He talks about the generosity of the Philippians. So when we look at this uh, in verses uh, 4 through 12, it's kind of where I want to anchor right now. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, 
Uh, when Paul talks about how I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, this is Paul really addressing the fact that uh, the Philippians had sent him a financial gift. Epaphroditus was the one that brought the gift to Paul. And Paul is kind of uh, making an announcement to the congregation at Philippi, letting them know, listen, I've gotten what you sent me. I greatly appreciate it. You all have been great partners with me as far as the work of the Lord is concerned. So in this letter, Paul, again, he is sharing with the church at Philippi how much he loved them, how appreciative he is of their kindness towards him. And as he navigates this space, it is evident, you could just see it coming off the page, how much he really loves this congregation. And it helps us to understand that when we talk about the essence of love, love is an action word. It is a verb. If love is stated and it is never shown, it probably isn't really love. So Paul is kind of taking uh, the Philippians uh, and lifting them up because he wants them to know, I don't take what you have done for granted. I am more than appreciative of the kindness that you all have shared with me. And so basically he is shouting, uh, if he could, from his own social media back then, his own Facebook posts back then, his own Twitter page back then, his own Instagram. If he had a camera, he would take a picture of the offering that was sent to him and post it and say, look at what my Philippian sisters and brothers have done for me as far as the work of the kingdom is concerned. He was greatly appreciative for their generosity. And I dare say that here at St. Paul, uh, you all are just such a generous church, such a uh, giving church. You bless people beyond uh, your boundaries, and you all have been a blessing to me and my family ever since we've been here. So I, I you know, at times... I have to do the same thing. That's why I make announcements whenever you all do something for, for us. Because one thing my mother says, folks don't have to be nice, and they certainly don't have to be nice to you. So I shout from the rooftops, um, and I greatly appreciate whenever the disciples of St. Paul do anything, uh, and I mean anything, as far as uh, my family and, and, and I are concerned. Um, but as we move forward, this is really what Paul is, is talking about because whatever they do for him, he puts it into the ministry. And this is what I want you to understand, that whatever you do for me goes into the ministry in a very meaningful way. And so one thing that I want to let you all know is that whenever someone does something for you, give God praise for it. Give them a major thank you. Let them know how appreciative you are of it. Give God a major shout for how they have blessed you because if it weren't for God stirring the hearts of men and women, there's no telling where you would be right now. Okay? So people uh, are, are, are a blessing as far as what God will have for you to do. Remember, 
It is God who does the initiation of somebody blessing you. It is the Lord placing some people on, uh, placing you on a particular person's mind to ultimately give and, and be a blessing uh, to you. Understand, that comes from God. God is the one who initiates the thoughts of kindness that leads to the actions of women and men. Now, this is where I really want to uh, draw down to you because I want you to understand that when Paul says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at last your care for me has flourished. Paul is not saying it's about time you do something for me. No, this is not how Paul is moving. And sometimes if you don't read it right, you would think Paul is uh, trying to throw shade. He's not throwing shade. Really, what Paul wants us to understand is that I know you wanted to do something for me, but you didn't have the opportunity to do it at the time. So, so Paul knew that it was difficult. Hear me out. It was difficult for the saints to get the gift they had for him to him. Now, understand back then they did not have cash app. Back then, they could not do wire transfer as far as the bank is concerned. Back then, they didn't have FedEx. They didn't have the United States Postal Service. They didn't have Amazon Prime or anything like that. They couldn't send the gift as far as mail is concerned. Someone had to literally take the gift to Paul. And remember, Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison. So they, they desired to send the gift long before it got there, but they didn't have the opportunity. Okay? Now, let me put this into context because back during that particular time, uh, Rome was considered to be perhaps the most civilized empire of the day. Okay? And Rome had um, what I would call a, a, a myriad of roads that uh, were for the best well, for lack of, 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 of language, uh, were the best roads of the day. But even with it being the best roads of the day, uh, the Philippians had difficulty finding someone that could get their gift to Paul because Paul was in prison. And anyone that was affiliated with a prisoner could be put in danger. So they were like, we ain't taking no gift to Paul. Uh-uh. You know, Paul down there in jail. We love our brother Paul, but we're not going to be taking a gift. But Epaphroditus rose up and said, listen, I'll make sure that the one that helped us get established, the one that brought the word of God to us, will get this gift that we have for him, okay? All right, because again, if you were in prison, uh, it was a danger to be associated with you. So, what I want you to understand is that Paul's heart in this uh, move, he is made glad because of the Philippian Christians. They did not forget him. And, and it's through them that God met the needs of Paul. Okay? So, this is what I want you to understand. Paul was not begging the Philippians to help him in his work. They knew what his need was. He trusted God to meet their need. And this is where the shift comes in verse 
uh, 11 where he says, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Okay? Whatsoever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. In other words, here is Paul saying, listen, I am appreciative of all that you all have done. Um, um, now that I have the gift, I want you to know that I am blessed by your gift. But I want you to know also that I'm not down to my last dime. I'm not destituted. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to get more from you. I just want you to know that I'm good regardless of whether I have gotten the gift or not. I, I'm, I'm cool whether you sent me something or not. Okay? So, so, so again, Paul is not begging people to help him. He just placed the need before them. Because Paul had to learn the lesson of contentment. And for Paul... Paul wants us to understand that the changing circumstances of his reality did not affect the peace that God could bring to him. All right? This word content that he uses here is really a Stoic term. And if you know anything about Stoics, Stoics basically did not show emotion. Uh, they, they, they did not allow for their emotions to control how they responded to a situation. Uh, Stoics basically live by decree what comes, what may. All right? So when they use this term content for the Stoic, it meant to rely upon oneself. It, it was just the uh, acceptance of whatever happens, that's how I flow. But content here, Paul is using the word content as a means of relying upon the Spirit of God to give him peace, regardless of the circumstances. So, so really what Paul is saying is, I have depended on God so much that I am at the place in my spiritual growth and development that whatever happens I'm good because one of the things that we as human beings really get caught up in is complaining and being dissatisfied as far as our human condition is concerned all right now let's be honest we all desire to be satisfied in life okay we all desire for life to be a whole lot better than what it is right now. All right? Um, uh, however, for most of us, the circumstances and conditions of our living determine whether or not we're going to have peace and be satisfied. In other words, if things are, 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 are going well, then I'm happy. I'm happy as a lark. I'm good, I'm always smiling, but if things are just horrible, I'm in a sullen mood, I got a funky attitude, but Paul is saying, listen, whether I, whether I got something or whether or not, I have a constant baseline 
check this out, a constant baseline of having a peace in God. Now, how can Paul say this? Because watch this. Paul basically is in prison as he's writing this letter talking about, I'm good. So Paul is basically saying, I'm satisfied, I'm content, whether I am planting churches or I'm in chains in prison. Paul, and I'm going to bless somebody with this, has learned how to live above the circumstances and conditions of his life. Let me say that again. When you come to a place of contentment, Paul has learned how to live above the circumstances and conditions of life. He's learned how to live above the chaos and confusion. He, he has learned how to live above the craziness of his reality. When you become content in Jesus Christ, you learn how to call out what's happening around you, but then also at the same time, you've learned how to live above the craziness, the chaos, the confusion that is happening around you so that God can get glory out of your life. Okay? Uh, uh, now, I'm, I'm trying to go somewhere because, because unfortunately, for a lot of folks that I talk to, I can tell when payday hits. They got some pep in their step. They got some glide in their stride. I can, I can tell when they're in a good mood. I can tell when, when payday has hit. And then I can tell when they're running low. All right? Because they've allowed for their sense of contentment to be based upon their material possessions. All right? However, when you operate from the sufficiency of Christ Jesus, then you have learned how to live above the circumstances and the conditions of your life. Why? Because you place your trust, confidence, and faith not in your stuff and not in yourself, but in Christ. All right, now I, I, hope, I hope I'm helping somebody. Because when you get to verse 12, notice what Paul says. Notice what Paul says in, 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 verse, in verse 12. Um, Paul says, I know how to be a base. I know how to be a base. Um, uh, I know how to be, how to abound. Everywhere in all things I learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Now, this, this may sound weird, so let me, if I could, give you another translation. Paul says, and, 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 and I'll read it from the message translation. Paul says, I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe to be happy whether I'm full or hungry hands full or hands empty. In other words, 
I'm good regardless. Now, now how do we apply this, this principle? How do we apply this principle? All right? Because the word abound basically means to have more than enough. That's what abound means. All right? That's what abound means. To have more than enough. The word abase means to be running low. Okay? In other words, it is like your car. You know you got that gas gauge in your car? Now, most of us, when we fill up, we're good to go. When we got that thing on F, on full, we're good to go. That's what it means to be abound. But to be a base means that you are on E and the light is on. And if you don't get some gas quick, you're going to be on the side of the road. Okay? So Paul is saying, I've learned how to be full. I've learned how to be empty with the light on. Okay? All right? Paul wants his friends to know that my contentment in life ain't based upon the things that I have. Now, let's be honest. It's really hard for us to admit that we've made it to that point. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard for us to admit that we've made it to this point. When Paul says, I've learned, that word learn in the original Greek basically means to be initiated into the mysteries of something. Um, um, uh, for, for those of you all who may be part of a fraternity or a sorority or for those of you all who may be part of a Masonic order, uh, this is where this term, the mysteries, is used. And so Paul is basically wanting to suggest that he has been initiated. He's been initiated by his experience into a place of contentment. In other words, Paul has been exposed, exposed to the move of God as far as his life is concerned. All right? Now, Let's be honest. It's real easy for us to quote verse 11 and 12 when there's food in the refrigerator, when your health is going well, when the bills are paid, and when you have decent living accommodations. Okay? It, it's, it's real easy to quote Philippians 4, 11 and 12. You went to the doctor the other day. Doc said, everything is looking well. Monitor your cholesterol. You know, watch the salt in your diet, but you're doing fine. Okay? But can you say that when you've gotten a diagnosis from the doctor that isn't so well? Can you say that when you've gone to the doctor and they say you have cancer? 
Can you say that when you've been diagnosed with COVID? Can, can you say that when you go to the refrigerator and you open it and basically there's nothing in there except bread, water, and condiments? Can you say that if you were living in a tent like some of our homeless brothers and sisters? I want you to ponder that because if we're honest, we could talk about how we're content when we have, but can you be content in Christ when you have great lack? and great need. Because I want you to understand where Paul is writing this letter from. Paul is writing this letter from, from jail with the knowledge that he's under a death sentence. And yet under a sentence of death, Paul is saying, I've learned how to have and I've learned how to live without. I've learned how to be full. I've learned how to be hungry. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm satisfied because I have learned how to depend upon God for my needs. I've learned how to place my trust totally in my God. I really want to drill down on this because there's quite a few of us. In fact, there, there are a lot of us that if we're honest, there are a lot of us, if we're honest, we have to admit that even though life has been hard, even though we've had to struggle, there are many of us that can't admit that there are others who are doing worse than we are. That even with some of the hits that you've taken, that you're not as bad as others. It does not negate your hits. It does not negate where you are. It does not negate your struggle. But we can say that we're doing better than others, even though we may not be where we want to be. So basically, Paul is saying, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Now, how does Paul, how is Paul able to dwell in that contentment? Verse 13. Verse 13. And this is where I really want to drill down. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens 
me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now God knows how many times we quote this verse and take it out of context. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What we have learned so far is about Paul's contentment, Paul's courage, Paul's commitment, Paul's confidence in Jesus Christ. Again, he's a prisoner. He's in stocks and, and, and chains. He is surrounded by Roman guards. And here he is talking about he could do all things through Christ that strengthens him. But Paul, you're in prison. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul, you're, you know, you got shackles on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what I want you to understand is that Paul knew what it meant to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And ever since Paul accepted Jesus Christ on that Damascus road in Acts chapter 9, he has been growing in the, the knowledge and grace of who Jesus Christ is, and his, he's been strengthened. When you and I give our lives to Christ and become committed to doing the work of Christ, he will allow for us to increase in strength. So, so while serving Jesus may create some suffering moments in our lives, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to give us strength to endure. In other words, Jesus has equipped Paul with power to deal with anything he needed in order to accomplish the will of God. You read Paul's life story. Paul had been shipwrecked, beaten within an inch of his life, bitten by a snake, ran out of town, critiqued and criticized by both Jew and Gentile. He was at times catching hell, and yet God sustained him. Okay. Even when he was on sea, and when you read about him being on the sea and this storm came and everybody was losing their mind and Paul was saying we're going to be alright I got a date with destiny we're going to be alright they had lost all hope Paul still had hope alright why because he had been strengthened through Jesus Christ now when people quote this verse okay I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Paul is letting us know 
that he depend upon Jesus for strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. All right. Now, this is what I want you to understand because I don't, I, it just pains me when I hear folks quote this verse and they focus on two words, all things. And they don't focus on the one word, Christ. All right. Now, let me, if I could, help you to understand that all things ain't all things. In other words, all things <laughs> ain't everything. Okay? All right? In other words, don't be no fool and think that you can, that you can go out and jump off a building Talking about I could do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthened me. That's just dumb. It, that, that's just absolutely dumb. Okay? I could do all things through Christ who strengthened me, and you want to go and you want to uh, flaunt, flaunt yourself in this COVID-19 pandemic. It's just crazy. You know, I got faith in God. I'll be protected. It, it doesn't work like that. This is what I want you to understand. <sighs> Paul wants us to understand that when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's talking about the indwelling spirit of Christ and that Paul can accomplish all that God wanted through the strength Christ gives. A lot of people abuse this verse and take it out of context. That's why context is so important. Let me say that again. That's why context is so important. Paul is making a comprehensive statement about the spiritual abilities of a Christian. Paul ain't saying... There's nothing you cannot do. That ain't what Paul is saying. Okay? I'm trying to help somebody here. All right? And, and this is why context is so important. First, this passage here is talking about the physical and the material needs. Okay? It ain't talking about you going out there acting like you Superman or Wonder Woman. All right. In that day, the focus here is on economic capacity. And so Paul is saying, I got the ability to rise above the highs and lows of having things and not having things. So the rule of context means that this applies to economic matters. I hope I'm helping somebody. Paul says, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. He is talking about dealing with economy. 
because Paul has just already illuminated the fact that I am appreciative of the gift that the Philippians have sent me so I could do the work that God want me to do. But I've learned how to be content. Why? I've learned how to be content because I've learned how to live above my circumstances. I hope I'm helping somebody here. Don't go out acting a fool thinking you can do everything you want to do because Christ is going to give you strength. You're going to wind up dead. It don't work like that. Don't be a foolish QAnon. It doesn't work like that. This is not what this text means. It doesn't mean you can do anything and everything you want to do. Paul is talking about the fluctuations of having what you need and not having what you need. That's the context. But then watch this. Paul also wants us to know that my dependence ain't on my stuff, but on Christ Jesus who strengthens me. He knew that wherever the Lord led him, he had the power. I hope I'm helping somebody. Now, because, 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 here is what's not in the text that you need to understand about the text because it's implicit. And I'm getting ready to mess up somebody because you fail to understand that there is the greatness of God and the limitation of you. The sovereignty of God and the limitation of you. Why are you limited? Because my brother and sister, you cannot go to the top of this building here at St. Paul, jump off the roof and expect to survive. That ain't the all things we're talking about. The all things we're talking about is not you going standing in the middle of the street and you talking about, I can do all things to Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You get hit by a bus. You'll tell it's going to be at the hospital or dead. I am not talking about that. Here is what I'm getting ready to drop on you as far as a major revelation is concerned where you can properly appropriate this text. The will of God limits the application of the strength Paul knew. Many who misapply this verse step outside of God's will for their lives. Ooh! So guess what? You can't expect for Christ to strengthen you. You can't expect to do all things through Christ who strengthen you when you ain't in God's will for your life. God ain't going to give you strength where it ain't God's will for your life. I hope I'm helping somebody. Because when people misapply this statement, they hope to cover their actions by a blanket promise of power, but that power comes within the, watch this, confined will of God. Ooh! You mean tell me God's will has confinements? Yes! Yes. Yes. Paul expresses a crucial paradox. 
Paul says, I'm strong when I'm weak. Paul says, I'm self-sufficient to only realize that I'm dependent upon God. Although Paul realized the necessity of living within a Christian community, he also knew what it meant to face life's problems alone and still triumph. Let me close with this. And I I, I hope that I'm, I'm helping somebody. It may be more difficult to triumph in good times than in bad times. (laughs) Why is that? Because our victory comes from a conscientious dependence on God and God's power. And that's easier to understand when you're catching hell than it is when you got everything you want. The mark of spiritual maturity is to learn how to depend upon the Lord in every situation of life. Not only when you need help, but when you feel like you don't need help. That's why Paul said, I've learned how to be a base. I've learned how to be about. I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be both full and hungry. I've learned how to have everything I need, and I've learned how to suffer need. And it is through this that Paul models and thanks the Philippians for how they have blessed him. So Paul's satisfaction is based upon the Savior who strengthens him. Not upon what he knows not upon other people he knows, but the satisfaction of the Savior who strengthens him. I'm going to stop right there for today, um, and we'll pick up next week, and we'll wrap it up next week as far as Philippians chapter 4. Um, uh, so let me see if we have any questions on Facebook or on our live. All right. All right. I, I, I hope and pray this has been a blessing to you. I look forward to sharing next week as far as the rest of this chapter is concerned. Um, and as we prepare to close out this moment in, in prayer, um, like the church at Philippi, you have the wonderful opportunity to be very gracious and generous here at St. Paul. And if you want to display that generosity, you can give to St. Paul by either bringing your check, cash, or money order to the church, uh, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Call the church, make sure someone is here to receive your offering. And if you want to drop your offering off, we're going to place it in a safe, and we'll make sure it's counted the following Sunday. Second way you can give is through uh, mailing your, your check or money order to the church. Again, 1401 Allen Street. Charlotte 28205 or you can go to our website and give through the giving apparatus there or you can give through the app called Givelify so however you want to give you can do that but I want you to know that that through your giving a lot of people 
are blessed. And I want to thank you for your giving to St. Paul. Uh, I want to thank you for how the Lord uh, lays upon your heart this church, and this ministry, so that we can do the work of ministry. Now, next week, as we drill down, I want you to understand what Paul understood, and I want you to understand that when you bless the ministry, when you bless the preacher, God has something very unique for you. And we're going to unpack that in a very, very meaningful way. And it ain't nothing I'm making up. It's going to be right there in the text. So I look forward to sharing that with you all next week. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close out this time of study together. God, we come and we thank you that we realize that as we do your will, you'll give us strength. That as we learn how to be content wherever we are, we rise and we live above our circumstances and condition. Like Paul, oh God, there are times when we have what we want and need, and then there are times that we are desperate in need. And so, God, if you would, continue to help us to rely upon you and help us to realize we could do all things in accordance to your will through the Christ who strengthens us. In his name we pray, amen. But listen, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, this lesson has been a blessing to you. See you all on next Thursday. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you.